Just a quick heads up that I am currently on maternity leave, which means that the Fertility Co podcast is taking a break. But please don't panic because I'm already working on some exciting things behind the scenes. And when I come back, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you a brand new, completely free mini course all about ovulation and finding your fertile window. In the meantime, there are still heaps of ways that you can continue to learn about your fertility and your menstrual cycle while I take a break. If you're just getting started with charting your cycle, you can check out my free fertility roadmap. If you want to dive deeper and learn exactly when you're ovulating, then you can watch my Fix Your Fertility Masterclass. There is, of course, also my Conceive with Confidence workshop series and, of course, my flagship online program, Fertility School. If you want individualized support from a trained fertility educator, that's me, then you can book in to my wait list for a one-on-one consult. And I would love to work with you to achieve your fertility goals in 2024. Spots are strictly limited though, and links to all of those resources are in the show notes. In this episode, we're talking about UTIs and why the bacteria around your vagina and bladder are essential for good health. I'm chatting with registered Chinese medicine practitioner Joanna McMeekin about all things UTIs and bacterial vaginosis and why antibiotics are not always the answer. I'm Rachel, and I'm obsessed with all things periods, pregnancy, pelvic floor, and helping women just like you to navigate all of life's major milestones. I'm a physiotherapist and natural fertility educator, and my passion is teaching women how to take control of their health. Fertility, pregnancy, nutrition, and menstrual cycle health, we'll dive deep into all of it right here. All those questions you've been secretly Googling, all those things you're too embarrassed to ask your doctor because, well, we're women. Shouldn't we just know this stuff? So get comfy and get ready to finally have all of your questions answered. Hit subscribe now and let me teach you what they never taught us in health class. You're listening to the Mana Women's Wellness Podcast. Want a sneak peek into the ultimate guide to your menstrual cycle? Let me walk you through everything you need to know about your period, what happens for the rest of the month, and why your fertility matters no matter what season of life you're in right now. To download your free chapter of the Mana Guide to Understanding and Loving Your Menstrual Cycle, head to manawomenswellness.com forward slash free book. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Mana Women's Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Rachel, and I am so excited to share today's episode because I'm talking with Joanna McMeekin about recurrent UTIs and the vaginal microbiome. Now, you might have heard about our gut microbiome before. It's that collection of literally trillions of tiny microorganisms that are now thought to have a truly powerful effect on your overall health. But did you know that there is also a collection of bacteria in the female region? reproductive tract. Yep, our vagina, our bladder, and our urethra are all full of good bacteria. And just like in our gut, they play a huge role in keeping us women healthy. There are particular bacteria that help to keep the vagina acidic and maintain our mucus production, but the relationship can get a little bit more complicated when these levels of good bacteria become a bit wonky and bad bacteria starts to dominate. And sometimes things that we do in our daily lives can disturb this delicate environment, and then we can be at risk of urinary 
contract infections, an imbalance of bacteria called bacterial vaginosis. And even though you may never have heard of BV before, it's actually more common than thrush. Sometimes these types of concerns are one-off problems that can be fixed with a quick trip to the doctor, a cream, a course of antibiotics, but for some women, it's just not that simple. The problem keeps coming back and life gets miserable. And that's where my friend Joanna McMeekin comes in. Now, Joanna is a registered Chinese medicine practitioner here in Melbourne who became really interested in complementary healthcare after realizing that a lot of the time, the conventional medical approach to treating illness was just masking symptoms and never really getting to the actual root cause of the problem. She returned to university to study to become a naturopath and by accident stumbled onto Chinese medicine. And it was there that she felt she'd found the answers she'd been looking for. Joanna believes that good health gives you freedom to live the life you want and to experience as much happiness as you can along the way, and she is dedicated to helping people find lasting solutions to their health challenges. Joanna is also a mum to two little girls, lives for food, music, and hula hooping, and owns far too many books, a woman after my own heart. Just a heads up, we had a few technical issues and the audio audio quality is a little bit wonky at times in this episode, but please stick with us because I can guarantee that just like me, you will learn an absolute ton after hearing from Joanna. So enjoy this one. Hi, Joanna. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Rachel. I'm pretty excited to be here. I'm so excited to dive a little bit deeper about what you want to talk about today. But first, why don't we get started with you telling us all a little bit about who you are, what you do, and I guess most importantly, why you do it. I am a Chinese medicine practitioner, so I'm an acupuncturist and a herbal medicine practitioner, which means I give people delicious tasting herbs to drink from time to time. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I I do the work that I do, I guess, because there was, growing up uh, in my family, there was quite a lot of illness around. And I saw how not having your health can really impact your ability to live an engaged and joyful life. It certainly isn't a complete barrier to it, but it's really much easier to get out there and do the things that you want to do and live a really complete life if you're feeling healthy. So I'm very motivated by helping uh, everyone, but particularly women. As I started practicing, I noticed that um, there was a real gap in women's healthcare, which I'm sure you've sort of seen as well being in women's health. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, helping women to really understand their bodies a little bit better and take charge of their health so that they can feel really well and do the things that bring them joy. That's awesome. So when when we first started chatting about having you come on the podcast, you came up with an incredible topic. I think you've got a few topics in mind to chat about, so we'll definitely have to get you back. But the thing that you said that you wanted to talk about today was all about recurrent UTI, which I know is a problem for a lot of women. So I guess, can you tell me a little bit just by starting, what is a recurrent UTI exactly? So how common is it and how different is it to say your one-off UTI? Yeah, so UTIs are incredibly common. About 150 million people a year get a UTI. That's that's globally. And of those 150 million people, 85% of them are women. And about 50% of women will get a UTI in their lifetime, at least one. And of that 50%, a percentage will find that they're getting either recurrent UTI or chronic UTI. And the difference between those two is that a recurrent UTI is a UTI that is contracted and then um, completely eradicated 
and then another UTI will be contracted. Or you have chronic UTI, which is where um, you're not actually resolving that initial infection. So the symptoms sort of reduce, but then they creep up again and then they reduce and then they creep up again. So it's um, it's a very common condition and it's incredibly debilitating for those that, are, that experience it um, chronically. It can really impact their ability to live their life significantly. They can't leave the house because they don't know if they're going to be near a bathroom. They're in significant pain. It can impact their relationships because obviously um, they're often down and out, which is a problem for relationships where one partner, if they're chronically ill and they can't do things, then they start to feel really guilty about the situation. But also um, it affects the intimate relationships as well because sex is often a trigger for a UTI flare. Mm. Okay. And what what could potentially be the cause of um, a chronic UTI in the first place? How does this cycle begin? Usually it's uh, because of the presence of bacteria in the bladder or the urinary tract. And these bacteria proliferate and they cause that intense stabbing pain, um, pain on urination. There can even be blood in the urine. It's the most common um, microbe that they manage to culture is E. coli. And so it's treated with antibiotics, um, usually a broad spectrum antibiotic. Often they'll do like a dipstick test of the urine to check for the presence of bacteria or they might even do a culture where you give a sample and they send it away to the lab and see which bugs that they can grow to make sure that the antibiotic therapy is targeted. Um, But for some women who are experiencing this recurrent UTI, there's a few problems with that. One is the antibiotics are not resolving the infection. So even though they help with the symptoms in the short term, they, they just get more. So then they're having more and more antibiotics. And some women are even put on antibiotics for long periods six months or more and I've even seen women coming in and the solution that they were given um, was to take antibiotics every time they have sexual intercourse so after Mm -hmm. sex just take antibiotics which yeah you know it's it's not really sustainable for the body so um, one of the suspected routes of transmission women are often told is um, you know when you're going to the toilet to make sure you're wiping from front to back but anyone who's had a chronic UTI is like tear their hair out if you said that to them because they're doing that already. But there was this um, suggestion that potentially the E. coli from fecal matter is transferring to to the urethra that way. Um, But, you know, there's even some research now suggesting that that may or may not be uh, one of the driving factors that, you know, wiping front to back, although it's still still a good thing to do. Uh, So that's sort of historically how we've understood UTIs and their causes, but if it was that simple that there's a bacteria or a bacterial infection, then we should be able to give antibiotics and have the urinary tract infection resolve completely, which for many people it does, but for some it doesn't. So then we know that there's something else going on there. Okay, so if antibiotics aren't always the answer and wiping front to back isn't always the answer, how how are we able to treat how are we able to treat this condition? So it really depends on what's causing it. And I guess we're sort of narrowing down to today's topic, which was the role of the vaginal microbiome in recurrent UTIs. And a lot of people um, may be familiar with the gut microbiome. That's been spoken about a lot recently, where we have this understanding that um, we're actually full of 
microbes in our body. In fact, <laughs> the number of microbes and fungi and bacteria and yeast that live in our bodies outnumbers our own cells 10 to 1. Okay. There's 10 times more of them than there are of us, yeah. Most of your DNA is actually microbial DNA. <laughs> so it's really quite extraordinary. And from a Chinese medicine point of view, this is a really beautiful kind of representation of this idea of like the macrocosm within the microcosm. So we live in this incredible universe with galaxies and stars and planets, etc. cetera, and we're this one tiny little thing. But then within our bodies, there's an entire universe going on. So, um, yeah, it's quite, a, it's quite a nice depiction from a Chinese medicine point of view. But you have these microbial colonies in all different areas in your body. So you can have them in your mouth, you have them in your gut, and you have them in your vagina, in your bladder, and in your urethra as well. So if you have uh, a dysbiosis, so a, an imbalance of, let's just say, some friendly versus more opportunistic microbes, then what can happen is that you can start to get these um, urinary tract infections. And if you look at it from that point of view, we can really see why recurrent antibiotic usage is not going to fix the problem for these people. And in fact, it's going to be making the problem worse as they begin to wipe out the friendly colonies of of bacteria that are that are living in the body. So in the gut, you want a really diverse range of microbes, whereas in the vagina, you sort of want more of a homogenous environment. You want what we call a lactobacillate dominant environment. And when you don't have a, so many of, of those microbes in the vagina, you can get a, a growth of these more, um, again, we call them opportunistic, because they, they're meant to be there, um, these ones that can cause urinary tract infections and other problems, they, they're meant to, to exist there, but just not in too high quantities. So when we see them proliferate, that's when we get these recurrent UTIs. Um, that's sort of one of the drivers. Okay. So apart from antibiotics, which are obviously contributing to that imbalance and causing there to be, I guess, an overgrowth or overpopulation of those... I guess the ones that have potential to cause the UTI. So what else can cause an imbalance apart from antibiotics? What else could potentially be leading to this recurrent UTI? So a history of antibiotics for um, non-urinary tract infection-related uh, issues is definitely one that can set the stage for it. So people who have had maybe lots of tonsillitis or, or ear infections and they've had antibiotics, that can certainly do it. But then... Uh, and I should say that <laughs> the actual name for um, this dysbiosis within the, the vagina is called bacterial vaginosis. And I suppose a lot of um, women are perhaps familiar with this idea of thrush and having a yeast infection. But um, BB is probably more common than, um, than yeast infections, actually. And it can be symptomatic or asymptomatic as well. So you can know that there's something not quite wrong with certain symptoms, um, discharges and certain smells, particularly a, a fishy odour. If there's that, that amine sort of smell, then we know that we're dealing with um, dysbiosis. And also the discharge that you'll get is going to be quite wet and quite gushing. I know you've spoken on your podcast before about vaginal secretions and becoming familiar with your cervical mucus. And it's just another reason why it's really important for women to kind of pay attention to these things and know what's going on in their bodies because you can you can know what's normal for you and then if a shift happens you can sort of say oh what's going on there that's different from from normal the things that can affect the environment are stress which is pretty much at the root of 
so much. <laughs> everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's just say everything. Uh, but stress is a big one. Smoking uh, is certainly another one because of the, the benzos and cigarette smoke that can really disrupt the environment. And then you can have um, sort of more sexual-related um, disruptors like lubricants. If you're using a lubricant that adjusts the pH, um, your partner's dental hygiene, for example, if you're uh, engaging in oral sex, if your partner has poor dental hygiene and uh, an overgrowth of, of plaque, then those bacteria can disrupt the environment. Um, of course, any kind of anything that enters the vagina has the potential to disrupt the environment. So sex toys, even things like menstrual cups is another because uh, these bacteria also proliferate in an iron-rich environment. So if you've got the blood being stored in the vagina in a menstrual cup, which itself can be a potential carrier of um, bacteria or it can maybe you've washed it with a soap that has a fragrance and that can throw things out, uh, yeah, that can all lead to an increased risk for shifting the vaginal microbiome. That's so interesting about the menstrual cup because I've heard, I guess it's a little bit different, but um, people are using reusable coffee cups and things. When they go and get their daily coffee, they're using the same cup. And I've heard about people becoming sick with these bacterial infections because they're not cleaning the cup properly between use, I guess, every day. And I guess it's the same thing. Like we're moving away from tampons and pads and looking at things like menstrual cups because they're more sustainable and they're better for the environment. But yeah, you've just highlighted the fact that we really still need to be mindful of those hygiene practices and making sure that we are keeping it really clean so that we're not causing other problems. Absolutely. And I'm a huge fan of menstrual cups. I think they're incredible. But um, some people, it's, it's really horses for courses. And it's true across the board, really, when you're dealing with health. If some people can get away with murder when it comes <laughs> to their health. You know, we all know that person. They have late nights, they eat what they want, they drink what they want, they hardly ever get sick. Good luck to them. And then you've got other people on the other end of the spectrum who are a little bit more sensitive. And, um, you know, the, the other thing that can play a role as well, which I probably should have mentioned, is hormones, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is funny that that one sort of slips my mind momentarily, given that this is a podcast specifically about women's health, which, yeah, really. So I mentioned that we talked about how stress is kind of one of the massive underlying factors for so many issues. And, of course, stress will really negatively impact your hormonal balance. Um, but if you've got lower levels of estrogen and progesterone, then that can also affect um, the microbiome because estrogen in particular uh, produces glycogen. And glycogen is a major food source for the lactobacilli family of uh, microbiome, uh, microbiome of microbes. So, yeah, making sure that you've got balanced hormones is really, really important as well. And that sort of that's a whole other can of worms. (laughs) (laughs) So interesting though, that it's just one more thing that imbalanced hormones can have an effect on. It is. It's very interesting. Yeah, definitely. So you talked a little bit about um, the fishy odor and the change in discharge, which as you said, is so important as to why we are familiar with our own discharge from a day-to-day basis. But are there any other symptoms that women could be looking out for to know whether or not they potentially have bacterial vaginosis? Yeah, it it depends on um, the microbe that's involved. And and a lot of the time, it's what we call polymicrobial. So there's more than one. That's, that's <laughs> it's like, like gate crashes, right? One person, one, one person finds a party and like rings all its friends to come and <laughs> disrupt it. But um, there's a particular one called Gardnerella vaginalis, which that's sort of uh, usually the first one to proliferate and form what they call a scaffold. 
So it's, that forms a basis for these other ones to kind of come in and, and colonize. And the other, something else that's, that's really interesting, what I find interesting because I find all these science things quite interesting, is <laughs> that um, we sort of previously, I don't know, for some reason thought that uh, bacteria just float around singularly by themselves, just hanging out in your system. But that's not what they do. They actually uh, group together and form a colony. And when when they detect that they're under threat, this, I really find this very fascinating. When they detect that they're under threat, they group themselves together. Um, have you ever seen that show Vikings? No, I haven't. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm sure many. I'm sure many of your sister, your sisters, many of your listeners will have heard um, or will have seen the show. Many of your listeners will have seen the show Vikings. And uh, at one point, when they're in battle, one guy will yell "Shield Wall," and the walls get together and put their shields up, and they form this sort of impenetrable little huddle. So, if they're under attack from arrow fire it hits the shields and bounces off. And this is effectively what the bacteria do. They group together and they start to secrete a substance which causes as causes them to stick together. And it creates what's called a biofilm. And the antibiotics can't penetrate that biofilm and kill the bacteria. So then they hang out together quietly um, until such time as they can remobilize and then cause a problem again. And this is we see this a lot in the pattern of recurrent um, UTI is that this biofilm needs to be broken down so that um, you can break up the bacteria and get in and, and clear them out. Um, now, you asked a totally different question. I went off on a tangent then. No, that's <laughs> so fascinating. What, what, <laughs> I, yeah, but your question was about symptoms. So anytime you've got... Um, and again, this is why I really love what you're doing and the message that you're spreading about knowing knowing your body. But anytime you see a change, whether it's you're experiencing um, vulval itching, whether there's pain or discomfort on sexual intercourse and penetration, um, if you're seeing an increase in discharge, particularly if that discharge has a colour, has a smell, is particularly um, copious. So we know with the difference that you can see between cervical mucus and the discharge associated with BV is that cervical mucus is kind of slippery. It's, it's, a, it's abundant, but it's not going to necessarily soak through your underwear, which can happen with um, the discharge from BV. But it's also quite uh, viscous. You know, it's designed as a, as a lubricant and to help facilitate sperm go swimming where they need to, whereas the discharge from BV is a lot more gushing, a lot more watery. It's described as being slightly grey um, and, yeah, it can definitely have that smell. So um, the smell may or may not present at all or it may just kind of flare up after sexual intercourse when the pH of the vagina has been shifted slightly. Um, so just keeping an eye out for any kind of changes with itching, uh, sensation, colour and discharge, yeah. Okay. And is there any, are there any other conditions that we could potentially mistake for BV or a UTI, but there's actually something more going on underneath? Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel. 
but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Uh, really good question. So, um, BV is sometimes mistaken by women and for a yeast infection just because I think, you know, candida is better known, better or more, um, yeah, it's, it's common for people to confuse BV with other conditions like um, candida, but um, it's important that you get proper investigation because. It, it can sometimes be symptoms of something more sinister. There are there is another category of um, bladder conditions that they call interstitial cystitis or painful bladder syndrome, and that's sort of it's kind of one of those umbrella diagnoses when unfortunately they don't really know what's going on. So maybe they've cultured the urine and they haven't been able to to grow anything, but the person is still reporting symptoms and then they'll potentially do a cystoscopy, which is where they um, go (laughs) inside and uh, check inside the urethra and the bladder to make sure that there's nothing going on there, like a neoplasm, you know, bladder cancer or something more sinister. Um, And in the absence of them detecting anything, then they'll diagnose this interstitial cystitis or painful bladder syndrome, which can also sometimes be, um, you know, and you'll know a lot about this, connected to the state of the pelvic floor muscles. So a lot of women probably um, have heard about your pelvic floor muscles becoming weakened. But what a lot of people don't realize is that you can actually have hypertonic muscles. So your pelvic floor can be working too hard. Absolutely. And that, yeah, so um, it can actually sort of mimic some of these issues as well. So, yeah, it's definitely important to make sure that you get that clinical diagnosis. But when they don't find anything and they say to women, oh, we'll just take antibiotics every time you have sex, then that's obviously not good enough. We need to come up with um, a better way of helping these women, yeah. Absolutely. So what are there, if someone was to come to see you for one of these conditions and, you know, they've been told by their doctor to just take antibiotics every time they have sex, how would you approach it? How would you treat them? Well, first of all, we want to close down and make sure that we're dealing with um, – vaginal dysbiosis, right, because this can be caused um, by other issues. You can have, you can have embedded, um, embedded infections, which we talked about before, that's that idea of the biofilm where you've got the infection is sitting in the bladder wall or in the urethral wall and you need to break down those biofilms um, and eradicate those if possible. But if we're looking, uh, if a person came in and I asked the questions and I was fairly confident that they had this picture of um, vaginal dysbiosis, then what you want to do is just restore balance to that area because if you have enough of the um, of the friendly microbes in there, then you're not going to see the disruption that these other microbes are causing, leading to UTI. And that's taking a you know a really holistic approach to the person's health and addressing the things that we talked about before, which is stress, lifestyle habits, diet's a really big one. Um, you know. Obviously, diets that are—I say obviously—but diets diets that are high in sugar can um, really exacerbate that the microbiome being out of out of whack. That's the gut and the and the vagina. Yeah. So, if someone came in and we sat down and we had a chat, and it was clear that um, you know BV was the driver, or I suspected that BV was the driver for this 
recurring uh, picture that they were experiencing, then we'd want to work uh, sort of like a two-pronged approach. You want to give give someone some strategies and tools to reduce the discomfort that they're experiencing um, immediately if they have any sort of residual niggly symptoms that are playing around. Usually when people come to me, they've just finished up antibiotics. So um, the infection has either been cleared out for the time being or has been settled down. And then the other thing that I would be doing is looking to stabilize that vaginal um, microbiome, making sure that that environment becomes really robust again. So as we were talking about before, there are people who can um, do, do lots of things without experiencing a shift in their vaginal microbiome. That's because they've got like a robust environment. So we want to create a robust environment in, um, in these individuals. So I sort of put a caution out to anybody uh, experimenting <laughs> with interventions. Make sure that you're working with someone who understands um, this, this area quite well. Just sort of by way of illustration of what can go wrong, a colleague of mine told me about a client that she was working with who was actually dealing with recurrent yeast infections. And uh, this person had gone online because there's so much information out there these days and had learnt that you can use boric acid pessary to treat trash, which is true if it's a particular type of candida, that will be effective. And she'd also read about um, apple cider vinegar as a vaginal irrigation being good in the treatment of trash. And unfortunately, she used the two interventions uh, were too close together. And mm. what happened was she caused, yeah, <laughs> she caused the chemical reaction oh, to take place actually in her vagina, the poor thing. I know it's, it's sort of um, <laughs> what happened is like what happens when you mix bicarb and vinegar, you get that volcano mm. sort of thing. So it would have neutralized very quickly, but it certainly gave her a very big fright and resulted in a trip to the emergency department. So, yeah, make sure you're working with someone who can come up with the right uh, treatment protocol for you, but you can introduce probiotics into the person's um, lifestyle so that they can repopulate the environment, getting the hormones under control by addressing factors like stress and sleep and um exogenous disruptors to the hormones, so things like uh, cosmetics and cleaning products around the, ha- the home and all about these, these can actually um, get into the body and affect the hormones in the person. So obviously you want to make sure that you're working with someone that can tailor <laughs> the appropriate treatment for the individual person. But we would look at things like probiotics, we would look at diet. Uh, we would look at repopulating that vaginal environment with friendly microbes, and you can do that using certain vaginal irrigations. Uh, people have probably heard that it's not good to use douches, which I would agree with, but um, you can actually use them for a short period of time. Douching is not good if you think the vagina is unclean and needs washing, let's put it that way, but you can actually um, use certain substances to flush the vagina gently and they actually provide a food source for these um, friendly microbes to, to feed on and proliferate. So, yeah, what do we talk about? Lifestyle, um, diet, sexual behaviours, so perhaps um, abstaining from um, ejaculatory sex for the time being because semen can shift the pH massively 
using barrier methods or withdrawal. Um, and again, as I said, making sure that if uh, people are engaging in oral sex, that the person that they're engaging those behaviours with has got good oral hygiene going on. So it's a combination of uh, lifestyle changes. And also we have acupuncture and herbs that we can bring into play, which people find very, very beneficial in the short term. I would say they're really great at treating the acute instances. But in order to get that long-term shift, we have to make some behavioural changes and lifestyle changes. That's awesome. Now, I think we've almost covered everything, but is there anything else that you'd like to share about this incredibly fascinating topic? Because I feel like I could sit here and listen to you talk about it for another hour. I'm capable of talking for another hour. I may not be making much sense by the end of the hour, but um, I think the thing to understand is that this is a really exciting area of research, the whole concept of the human microbiome uh, in general, whether it's yeah the gut microbiome or any other <laughs> location in the body, um, to realize that we it's very infrequently that we can look at a problem and just say, oh, these are the symptoms. So we'll treat these symptoms and then the problem will go away. (laughs) So if you're not getting a resolution um, to UTI and you're not happy with what you're being told and you don't want to be on antibiotics after sex for the rest of your life or long-term antibiotics. Now, I'm ragging on antibiotics here, but actually, um, you know, most most of the time a – an advanced urinary tract infection is going to require antibiotic treatment. And I'm very, very grateful that it's available to women because um, not <laughs> the symptoms of UTI are really, really crippling. They're horrible. So I'm grateful that antibiotics exist. However, if they're not getting the job done for resolution, then we need to look at it from a different angle. So I guess the thing that I would want people to know is you're not alone. It's really, really common and it is possible to say goodbye to UTIs, definitely. And I think that's so interesting that, yes, the antibiotics are obviously necessary for that short term and to help settle the symptoms, but then it's that long-term approach that we're really having to change our way of thinking and stop becoming so dependent on them. And with with some instances of recurrent UTI, you, know, you are going to be dealing um, with long-term management, particularly for women who are postmenopausal, because mm-hmm. obviously with the drop in estrogen, we were saying before the estrogen levels can really play a role. So... Um, I'm, I'm talking specifically today about if, if BV is the driver for the recurrent UTI, then you can get a resolution on that. Obviously, some other UTI pictures are more complicated. and uh, But again, that's just why it's really important to find someone that you can work with who understands what's going on and can find a treatment plan that brings you the greatest level of benefit. Yes, it's antibiotics. Unfortunately, they they have been overused, but they're an incredible um, they're an incredible discovery. And I'm certainly glad that I live in a world where we have them available to us. But I also should be clear here that um, the discussion that we're having today is really about uh, UTIs and bacterial vaginosis and the link there. And that if that is what's causing the UTI, then it's really, really possible to get a resolution. Some UTIs can be more complicated than that, but um, it is, it's, it's still possible for women to experience a significant reduction in symptoms and also to space out the time between episodes. But yes, if, if it's BV that's at, at 
the cause, then you can you can certainly do a lot with that. And um, I would go so far as to say that you can yeah become UTI free. That's fantastic. And I guess it all just ties back into the fact that we need to not rely on Google to diagnose and treat our problems. It's great to have that knowledge about your body so that you can identify when things aren't going right and so that you can make really informed decisions about who you're going to see and how you're going to be treated. All right, Joanna, so let's wrap things up with one last question. If you could go back and talk to your teenage self about your health and your body, what is the one thing you would tell her? Uh, I have two. One is don't smoke. (laughs) I smoked for a while and I gave it up um, a long time ago now and it is the one thing that I regret doing. So never start smoking. And the other thing is to recognize that as a woman, you're a cyclical creature. Um, I think we don't acknowledge that enough in modern life that women, because of the different hormones that that they have. If you look at the graph of hormones in the course of a month, you know, men have like a straight line, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the testosterone is a straight line. Whereas women have got, we've got these different hormones that are peaking and, and ebbing at different times in the cycle. And you're not the same creature from day one of your cycle as, as you are at, you know, the, the end of your cycle. You'll have times where you're feeling more energetic and outgoing. You'll have times when you're feeling more withdrawn and to honor those and to to go with those and that comes from understanding the hormones and the menstrual cycle so don't fight against your body you know embrace what it is uh, what it means to be a woman and that's cyclical very very good advice joanna where can people go if they want to learn more from you oh um they can find me online they can find me on Instagram, which is my name, Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A underscore MacMeekin, M-A-C-M-E-I-K-A-N. Uh, Instagram is an area where I'm going to make a real effort to start doing a little bit more. Uh, it's not something that comes naturally to me, but please, if they want to follow along, head on over there and follow me, or they can head to my website, which is www.com joannamack.com I tried to get that handle on Instagram but someone else has it already (laughs) Uh, yeah I know Uh, joannamack.com and there they can have a cruise around the website they can get in touch with me if they want Um, and they can also sign up I have um, a spot where they can pop their email address in if they'd like to receive stuff from me from time to time I don't send out stuff overly frequently at this stage but that's another thing that I'd like to do be a little bit more regular with my communication but yeah, I think they're the best ways for people to get in touch with me. Awesome. And I will include links to all of those things in the show notes for this episode too. Oh, so I didn't have to spell my whole name for everybody. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I had to look it up. I had to look it up before I send you emails and things. So I think it's very handy to spell it out. <laughs> Joanna thank you so much for today I have had a blast I have learned so much and I can't wait to start jumping on Google and start learning more about this fascinating area about the the vaginal (laughs) microbiome you're calling me at midnight from like a Google hole (laughs) help me I can't find my way back (laughs) yes I am I'm quite looking forward to this deep dive (laughs) good stuff
I could quite easily listen to Joanna talk about the microbiome all day long. It is such a fascinating area of health and one that is so new and still really being studied. But there is absolutely no doubt that the more we learn about it, the more we will realize just how important this balance of good and bad bacteria is for our health, not just in our bladder, our vagina or our gut, but ultimately for our entire body. Now, I'd love to hear your feedback from this episode. What did you learn and what was the most fascinating nugget of wisdom that Joanna shared? For me, it's the fact that the bacteria and microorganisms in our body outnumber our own body cells 10 to 1. That's a little bit mind-blowing. If you want to learn more from Joanna, head over to today's show notes where I'll include all of the links to find her on the web and on social media. And as always, if you have any questions, have a chat or just have a suggestion for other women's health experts that you'd love to hear from on the show, slide on into my DMs and let me know. I will see you in next week's episode where we are talking all things fertility and the essential health checks that you need to be adding to your to-do list while you're still in that contemplating, thinking about trying for a baby stage, those preconception health checks that you need to be doing before you start conceiving. Okay, bye for now. And don't forget that knowledge is power. When you truly understand your body, you are empowered to make informed decisions about your health. Until next time. If you've made it this far, you deserve a huge virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Mana Women's Wellness Podcast. New episodes are released every Wednesday, so make sure you hit subscribe now so you don't miss when the latest goes live. Why not make my day and leave me a quick rating and review while you're over there? If you want more, head on over to Instagram at Mana Women's Wellness, slide into my DMs and say hello, or you can visit manawomenswellness.com forward slash podcast for show notes and access to all of the freebies that I talked about in this episode. Until next time. Let's talk about TempDrop. TempDrop's wearable sensor and accompanying charting app brings the full fertility tracking solution right to your phone. Wear the TempDrop sensor on your upper arm during sleep and then just sync to the charting app whenever it's convenient for you. TempDrop believes that every woman should be empowered and equipped with the knowledge to take control of their body. Sound familiar? That's where TempDrop steps in to provide clear, science-backed technology to help you to better track your cycle. I only recommend products that I use and love, and I love my TempDrop tracker. You can get 10% off your tracker with the code AFFertilityCo or head to fertilityco.com.au forward slash TempDrop for more information.